0: Hello and welcome back to Endopod. If you're new here, hi, this is Hepsi Xavier and I'm a third year medical student. Welcome to Endopod's revision series. Each episode will cover revision material for those preparing for exams or even just for those who are interested in learning the basics of endocrinology. As part of our revision series, this episode we will be looking at hyperparathyroidism, particularly primary hyperparathyroidism. To start off with, we'll have a quick look and overview of hyperparathyroidism and continue by looking at primary hyperparathyroidism in more depth. We'll also quickly touch on secondary and tertiary hyperparathyroidism. Before continuing on with this episode, I recommend that you have a listen to our calcium homeostasis episode, which covers the basic physiology of the parathyroid glands. This will help you understand this episode a little bit better. So what is hyperparathyroidism? It is when excess parathyroid hormone or PTH is produced and it can be split into primary which is related directly to the parathyroid glands producing too much PTH, secondary in which there is excess secretion of PTH as a result of kidney, liver or bowel disease and tertiary in which there is PTH secretion usually as a result of chronic kidney disease. As mentioned before Primary hyperparathyroidism involves excess parathyroid hormone being secreted because of pathology affecting the parathyroid glands. Primary hyperparathyroidism tends to more commonly affect postmenopausal women. In majority of cases, the cause of primary hyperparathyroidism is a single parathyroid gland adenoma or a benign tumour. Other causes include hyperplasia of all four parathyroid glands, double adenomas and parathyroid carcinoma. Familial primary hyperparathyroidism can occur due to conditions such as multiple endocrine neoplasia syndromes, MEN1 or MEN2A, hyperparathyroid jaw tumor syndrome, or familial isolated hyperparathyroidism. Many patients up to 80% with primary hyperparathyroidism can be asymptomatic. Often the diagnosis is made when it is incidentally found with hypercalcemia in a routine blood test. A useful phrase to remember the symptoms is bones, stones, abdominal groans, and psychic moans. The clinical features include fatigue, muscle weakness, joint pain, loss of appetite, maldepression, and difficulty in concentrating. The symptoms may increase as the parathyroid hormone and blood calcium levels increase. As higher PTH levels, the individual may experience polyuria, polydipsia, dehydration, hypertension, nausea, and constipation. Additionally, kidney stones may also develop as a result of excessive renal calcium secretion. Primary hyperparathyroidism may clinically manifest as osteopenia and osteoporosis due to excessive calcium resorption from the bone. The first-line investigations to consider for primary hyperparathyroidism are to check serum, calcium, and PTH levels. Both levels are usually raised above normal in this condition. Other investigations to consider include measuring bone density using techniques such as dual-energy x-ray absorptiometry, otherwise known as a DEXA scan, check the 25-hydroxyvitamin D levels, as vitamin D deficiency often can accompany primary hyperparathyroidism, and measure 24-hour urinary calcium excretion, which would show a mild to moderate increase. For asymptomatic primary hyperparathyroidism who do not have any surgical indications, often monitoring is recommended. Serum creatinine and calcium levels should be checked every six months. Patients should avoid dehydration and thiazide diuretics. If symptoms do start to present, then the treatment option indicated is a parathyroidectomy. For patients who are symptomatic, surgical treatment, i.e. parathyroidectomy, is indicated. Surgery is the only curative option. It's advised if the age is below 50, the serum calcium is above the upper limit of normal, kidney stone develops, there is a significant reduction in bone mass density or if there is a vertebral fracture. Bisphosphonates and kinocalcet, which both lower serum calcium and parathyroid hormone levels may also be useful medical treatment options and vitamin D supplements should be given to those who are deficient. Moving on to secondary hyperparathyroidism. This most commonly occurs as a result of chronic kidney disease. Due to long-term low calcium levels, the parathyroid glands become hyperplastic in response. Most patients with stage 5 chronic kidney disease develop secondary hyperparathyroidism. The main therapy for this is medical management, which involves treating the underlying condition, such as correcting chronic kidney disease. In severe cases, parathyroidectomy may be considered. And finally, tertiary hyperparathyroidism often occurs as a result of prolonged secondary hyperparathyroidism. In tertiary, the parathyroid gland continues to overproduce PTH even after the pathology causing the hypocalcemia has been managed. This results in hypercalcemia. The most common cause of tertiary hyperparathyroidism is long-term kidney disease. The recommended treatment is total or subtotal parathyroidectomy. Kinocalcite may also be a useful treatment option. This concludes today's episode on hyperparathyroidism, in which we discussed many aspects such as primary, its causes, presentations, investigations, and treatment, and we had a quick overview of secondary and tertiary, including their causes and management options. As we've covered a lot of information, please let us know if you have any questions. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and thank you for listening in. Please like and share with all your friends and colleagues, and of course I always welcome any feedback. Before I go, I want to say a big thank you to Tejas Sharma, one of our charity coordinators who contributed to the making of this episode. As always, stay safe and happy. This is Hepsi Xavier, signing off.